Hello and welcome to In The World Podcast, episode... Three of season four. Four. Don't know, don't care. (laughs) Uh, I'm Rosie Dooley. Uh, Russell Dooley. Joe Dooley. (laughs) Honorary member of the family, just for tonight. And today we're going to talk about, in the run-up to Easter, we're going to talk about Jesus' death and his resurrection. So I think yeah, and, and more than anything, it's it's the well, the a did it happen, yeah, and and b what is the importance of it? Because obviously Jesus led a very perfect life and died for us on the cross. Uh, a lot of people will argue, why did you need to come back to life? You know, if he died for our sins, what what is the relevance of the the resurrection? So yeah, the big question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? And in order to answer that question, we need to look at. Well, four different aspects of this. So first of all, we need to ask ourselves uh, or we need to prove that Jesus was dead in order to rise from the dead. Then we need to prove that he rose himself. I know that sounds a bit strange to rise oneself. (laughs) Um, It it seems strange because Jesus is the only one that's ever done it. So um, and then we need to prove that Jesus is still alive today. And then we need to ask ourselves the question, why does that matter? So let's kick off with proving that Jesus was dead. So in order to do that, we need to look at John chapter 19, verses 28 to 37. And I've got that here. John is one of the four Gospels and the Gospels are written um, about Jesus's life by four different people. But we'll talk more about that as we go on. Nice. Okie dokie. So John 19, 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. It was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that the legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfilment of the scripture that says, not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced. Right. So what do you guys think about this? Is Jesus dead? I think fairly categorically, yes. At that <laughs> yes. Point. And you were explaining earlier, Joe, the relevance of the water. Yes. And someone water leaking out would suggest that the, the kidneys have stopped functioning is that right yeah i think i'm right it's I, I, I hate to sound vague on this because we try not to be vague but it's one of the vital organs right <laughs> and it's, it's either the liver or the kidneys and when blood and water flows out that is loss of function irreversible and okay. fatal um russ knows how to remove kidneys well not quite on virtual surgery games maybe but <laughs> yeah. not, not not quite in in real life <laughs> Um, and the other thing that I thought was really worth um, drawing out of this as well is the way that Jesus died. So I don't know if you noticed, but it said when Jesus had when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. That's Jesus saying it is finished. Then he bowed his head 
and released his spirit. Hmm. So what I think is important about that is that it's all in Jesus's control. Yes. So this is all about fulfilling what Jesus has said, and this is all about fulfilling prophecy. But at no point was Jesus out of control of the situation. He said it's finished. He bowed his head and he released his spirit. Hmm. I think that's really important. I think so too. I didn't realise that the the legs were broken of the, the pair beside. I, I, I've never read that bit before. Or maybe I have read it and I've forgotten it. So did they just choose not to break Jesus' legs because he, just because he was already dead? Yeah, so they were so confident that Jesus was already dead that they, they didn't bother breaking need. his legs. Which seems... Uh, seems interesting, but it's incredibly important because... It's just old... another bit of evidence that yeah. Jesus was dead. So when well and also it fulfills Old Testament prophecy that none of his bones would be broken. Yeah. And then the the other thing that fulfills prophecy is that it says uh, they will look on the one they pierced. So mm-hmm. the whole thing about the blood and the water coming out was that they pierced his side and that was again fulfilling prophecy that was written down in the Old Testament. Sure. So this one proves that Jesus was dead, but it also proves that Jesus was the Messiah because it's just another thing that builds into the whole list of the things that have been said about the Messiah. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. We can safely say that Jesus was dead. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. So that checks off the first part. So the next part then is is the proof that he rose again. Absolutely. Um, and I think the before before he rose, he was he was put away into a tomb, um, into an area prepared for him, and it was very heavily fortified, so to speak. Yeah. It was a maximum security tomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's read our things. Yeah, in, so in Matthew, Matthew twenty seven. 57 to 60. So, as evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. So the the big stone here is quite an important quite an important part of it because obviously, the, as the story goes, it it was rolled away. So we'll get there later. Um, so not only was the, the tomb essentially locked with this large stone, but it was also guarded. So just skipping ahead slightly to Matthew twenty seven verses sixty two to sixty five. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was alive, the deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. And as you mentioned earlier, Joe, I think the relevance there of the guard isn't necessarily one man, but the guard is a collective of soldiers. That's right. Yeah. So it wasn't. So when they say a guard, it, it was a centurion, and it wouldn't have been one. It would have been uh, a group of centurions. And effectively, how it worked was that they guarded um, an area. I don't know if you're. As a listener, I don't know if you're familiar with zonal defending in football. Where you... Or in Frisbee. Or in Frisbee. Yeah, Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. So in Ultimate Frisbee, I presume it works the same way. You have your area. area and so if anyone tough. comes into your area, 
they are swiftly ejected into someone else's area. Yeah. So same same rules apply with the with the centurions. And um, what is really important here is that the centurions weren't some buffoons that were just sent there on a on a fool's errand. These were of the time the best trained military in the world. Mm. The punishment for falling asleep whilst on duty was death of the whole century. Mm. So not just you, but the 79 or 99, however many there were in your it's century. It's just awful. Yeah, it's definitely not worth falling asleep, is it? No. no. Um, and they'd be also been instructed by pilot, Pontius Pilate, uh, to do it. It wasn't like some random bloke outside the pub had gone, oh, just go and stand outside that. Yeah, yeah. the most powerful leaders yeah. of the time. Yeah, it was an order directly from the top, so just yeah. being given. Absolutely. I, yeah. I think it's interesting how Pilate was so, you know, if Pilate didn't think he was the Messiah, then Pilate wouldn't have ordered those people to go and stand there. Yeah. So it's just, I just think it's very interesting how someone's come up and said, hey, he said this, perhaps you should go and guard the tomb. Oh, yeah, we better do that. So he's obviously suspicious that Jesus was actually the Messiah. Well, I think Pilate was probably very fretful at this point because he was convinced before they put Jesus to death, one, that he wasn't guilty. Mm. And Jesus had been going around saying, I'm the king of the Jews. And Pilate didn't think he was guilty. Therefore, Pilate must have thought he was the king of (laughs) the Jews. Mm. So Pilate must be thinking right now, I've ordered the death of the king of the Jews. Mm. Um, So I would have thought he was worried to say yeah. the least yeah yeah um, and i think the last thing he would have wanted as as they sort of mentioned here is that they were worried that the disciples were going to come and steal jesus's body away to make it look like he'd been yeah that's good you know and I, and I wonder if how important that plays in whether they would have perhaps tried to do that i mean a lot of them would have had faith in jesus obviously but there might have been a band of them that would have wanted to go and steal his body but then the, the placement of the centurions is actually exactly what Jesus needed to keep people away. So he could, you know, yeah, in, his, in his own time, so to speak. You <laughs> that's know, a great point. Never really yeah. thought of it that way around. But. Yeah, so I, 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 did this, um, I did this passage and this, this sort of line of argument with the youth group at um, St. Bosolph's Church a couple of weeks ago before they broke up for the Easter half term. Um, and what I did to illustrate the point was I put some Easter eggs in a locked briefcase. They then had to go around and find the clues that had the numbers on it for the lock. So they could then unlock the briefcase and uh, win their egg, so to speak. Um, but I also made sure that that briefcase was guarded at all times. So obviously you can see, it doesn't take a fall to see, that there is a allegory <laughs> for the story of Jesus in that and when they went, they found the clues, they got the, the numbers, they put it in the pass, put it into the lock, and the briefcase opened, and the eggs were still there. Mm. Because eggs are inanimate objects, there's no possible way that under those circumstances, they could have got out of the briefcase. Now, the kids came up with some great ideas, like a false bottom to the briefcase, um, sleight of hand, that I didn't put them in there, but I made sure that they all looked that they were mm. in there, and this, that, and the other. So, you would expect... In the case of Jesus, for the same rules to apply, Jesus at this point was an inanimate object. He He was was dead. dead. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Um, The tomb was locked. There was a massive boulder in front of it. The tomb was guarded. And it also mentions here that they sealed the stone. I'm not sure what that means in terms of whether they somehow 
I just noticed here at the bottom, it's, so they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone. So the stone wasn't just a heavy stone in a way, whether they've actually sealed it. Somehow That's a great point, yeah. Gorilla yeah, glued it to the, <laughs> to the rest of the tomb. But, you know, it's not just a heavy stone that's not movable. It, it's actually by mm. sort of the modern standard. Well, the fact that it is anyway, it's, it's locked, you know, yeah. it is, it's sealed. So. so by the same logic, as we were saying, we would expect when Mary Magdalene, Jesus would still be in there, the tomb would still be locked, and the guards would still be there. Mm. However, we're going to read from, where are we now? We're reading from Luke uh, chapter 24. Um, but just I'd just like to read a little bit from the beginning of Luke, um, just to give us some background about Luke. So Luke was um, a doctor, let's say. Um, he's described as a physician, but we're going to call him a doctor. So he's quite a respectable person of the time probably a very trusted yeah that's right so and at the very beginning of luke it it says this many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word with this in mind since i myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning i too decided to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus, that's who he's writing this letter to, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And I just love that. I love that it's so matter of fact and it's Mm. just saying that I am telling you these things so that you may know the truth. Mm. And I think a lot of people um, who aren't necessarily Christians might think that this is just a wonderful fairy tale Mm. or it's a lovely story. But actually, there's a physician, a doctor saying, "I'm, I'm writing this so that effectively... That you can know that you, you can know the truth mm-hmm. of what happens and um matthew and john the other two gospels they were written by jesus disciples so they were there at the time and they they were there you know they mm. were there living that time with jesus and the gospels are they complement each other they yeah. don't they don't contradict each other so i think that that's and importantly i heard a lawyer say about gospels as well that they are they're not identical. No, no. Which actually in a court of law is really quite important because if they were, when you have evidence which is identical, it's often thrown out of court because it's assumed that they've collaborated. Yes. Whereas when it's similar but not exactly the same, actually a lot of the time the evidence is much more reliable. reliable. Yeah. So in Luke 24, um, it's, it's, it's captioned as it was, Jesus has risen. So on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. 
Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So, that's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Jesus was not there. I think there's a there's one thing that I just wanted to, for any uh, people that are still doubting the reliability of this, in your version of the Bible, it says on the so, first day of the week. Yeah, so mine's so an NIV. Just people might be going, well, that would be Monday, not Sunday. The Jewish week starts on a Sunday, so it's still Sunday. That's Easter Sunday, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt that it was three days, not four days, did it? Yeah. So just to clarify that point. But I think this this so clearly says that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, how else, and this is a question that we can throw out there, how else could Jesus have got out of that tomb if he hadn't risen from the dead? So some people say the centurion fell asleep. Mm. I think we've already established that. That he didn't. That he didn't, and they didn't. Yeah. It wasn't just one centurion. Some people have said that that he was never in there in the first place. Well, that's we know that not to be true, because we know that a very wealthy man called Joseph put him in there. Yeah, and... There wouldn't have been a centurion of, well, yeah, a centurion guard guarding him at all. In guarding the nothing. Yeah. They, you know, you, I think they would have known that they were guarding something. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't. There wouldn't have been that much presence without knowing there was something <laughs> to guard. You know, it's... some people have said it's um, all a delusion, like a uh, an episode. I don't know what the, the right term for it is, where someone Psych- sees something. A psychotic, a psychotic mm. episode. Some people say. It was a psychotic episode of 11 people. Mm. And it goes on to say later of, he comes back to like 500 more. 500 people all have a psychotic episode. Mm. And also, it tends to be the case that when people have um, a delusion, delusion, it tends to be that you want to believe the delusion. So you're desperate to see something and you see it, right? Mm. With this, all of them, to a man and woman don't believe it's Jesus initially. So in one of the accounts, Mary sees Jesus but thinks it's a gardener. Right. And then she hears Jesus' voice and then she realises it's Jesus. In another account, they, the two of the disciples are walking along a road and a person joins them. And it's not until they get to their destination that they realise it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to read in a minute about Thomas. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think we can hold fire on the on the main. Actually, no, we can we can talk about Thomas now, we can can't talk, we? Yeah, we can talk about Thomas because one of the other reasons that people come up with the oh this can't have happened. Perhaps Jesus wasn't actually dead. We haven't talked about that yet, but we know that Jesus was dead. Mm. Yeah, and, and some people say evidence. that his body didn't physically. His spirit he, came back. He appeared as a ghost, but his body didn't come. Yeah. So in John chapter 20, uh, we see that Jesus Jesus has already appeared to some people. He hasn't appeared to everybody. Um, but Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, um, he, he is full of doubt and he doesn't believe them. He doesn't believe that that could have happened. Um, so I'm just going to read what happens to him when he does meet Jesus again. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where, his, where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, 
Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So well, let's delve into that in a bit more detail in a second. But just to go back to the previous point about the, the delusions. In each case, they almost didn't want to believe or mm-hmm. they, they weren't willing to believe. Mm-hmm. But Jesus sort of gave them unequivocal evidence yeah. that it was him. And what I think is really interesting is that for Mary, it was to hear, mm-hmm. to hear his voice. Yes. For the disciples on the road, it was to see him, to see. And with Thomas, it was to it's touch. To touch. Yeah. That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. So I don't think it can possibly be a, a delusion yeah. because they didn't want to believe, but yeah. Jesus made them believe. And it happened to so many people that mm. it's just not possible that they all had the same delusion. Yeah, no. yeah, in such different varying ways, you yeah. say, sort of through through the different senses, you know, through sight and through hearing him and, and physically touching the wounds in his, in his hands, you know, that were caused from his crucifixion. You know, it's not just the scar Jesus had since he was a boy. It was literally the, the wounds that had killed him only a matter of days ago. So let's go into, let's delve into John 20 a bit more because I think there's... Good old Thomas. I think it's an amazing account of of Jesus. So Jesus has already seen, has already visited the disciples once and he comes back again because Thomas doesn't believe. And I don't know if you picked up on it, but did you pick up on the fact that the doors were locked? Yes, the do- though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. So... Jesus again, so he's managed to get out of a sealed room. Mm-hmm. Now he's managed to get in. Now he's getting into a sealed room. <laughs> and we know that it's not just his spirit passing through, because first of all, there was no body left in the tomb. Mm-hmm. When I say no body, I mean literally there was no literally body. no body, yeah. And we know that Thomas touches his wounds. So he was physically and spiritually both out of the tomb and in this locked room. So yeah. I think you were saying about some, there was some discussion on BBC Leicester regarding whether Jesus was physically and whether that matters. Yes. So do you yeah. want to share that with us? Yeah, so on on Sunday, uh, one of our friends was taking part in um, a radio debate, uh, which is to do with sort of an argument between different group of people, a Christian, an atheist, uh, a Muslim. Canon. Uh, and a, a liberal, liberal canon. canon and it was just a, an interesting insight into people's opinion as to whether Jesus a did he was he resurrected and b was it a bodily resurrection mm. um, so there's been a the reason they did this debate is because there's been a survey recently that showed something like a third of all Christians don't believe in a resurrection and a third of all Christians don't believe in the afterlife something like that and the stats probably slightly different but a significant portion of people who claim to be christians don't believe in the resurrection which i i don't really i don't really understand because if you are calling yourself a christian then surely you've got the knowledge of what happens here i don't know how you can call yourself a christian and not have the knowledge of this because this is the basis of christianity it's yeah it's it's true but i think there will be a lot of people i certainly every year when we look at the Easter story I certainly see things that I didn't see before sure but as for did Jesus rise bodily and spiritually this is probably the first Easter where I really feel mm. struck by it like mm. I, I sort of knew it but yeah. it's this year that I'm really like mm. whoa that's like 
flesh and bone. That's Jesus as man yeah. coming back. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah, the, the liberal canon was saying to... Um, saying to our friend who is a Christian, he was saying that if the bones of Jesus were to be discovered today, would that destroy your faith? And of course he said, yes, it would. And it would destroy my faith and yours because we believe that Jesus was bodily resurrected. Mm. So if those bones were to be discovered, yes, of course that would destroy our faith. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I think that is the nub as well of our next point. So hopefully you can see through all of that how Jesus rose himself from the dead, um, but whether Jesus is still alive today. Because I often think like he came back on the Sunday, he then did a bit of visiting of the disciples mm-hmm. and of, it says, 500 other people. And then he, I, in my mind, I kind of think then he died again. And well, that, that was it. Then he went away. He, yeah. He'd done his party trick and then he went. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he left the party sort of thing. But physically, he's still alive. Well, does that not blow your mind it that does. he's that he could at any he could walk into this room now? Yeah, it's it's a very and I think that's where a lot of people struggle with this is because it's quite common knowledge that human bodies once they've died don't come back and I think a lot of people there's a lot of science to prove that and Christians non Christians just about everyone on the planet will will know that that a human body once it's died doesn't come back. So I think this is the, the real difficult point for people to really get on board with Christianity and the Bible is because it can't possibly be true. But, but we all know the it, evidence. Yeah, all the evidence and the, and the words of the Bible to tell us that it is true. And I think that's that this is the real difficult point that we that as Christians that we would struggle to sort of convince a non-Christian of this because it because, just seems because so unbelievable could, yeah because it is so unbelievable and so almost majestic that Jesus did do it you, this is almost where you draw the line of you just have to have faith mm. that it that it happened you do you do but I don't at the same time I don't think you have to have faith because of the, the evidence is there mm. you know yeah I think obviously it's a combination of faith mm. and, and trust in the in the evidence it's just there's so much and not even in the bible there's so much supporting evidence of um what happens it's um written by other people around the time that aren't in the bible but um it's just it's unequivocal so i think looking on to continuing on with the um prove what how prove whether jesus is still alive today so i think you know, I often think like Jesus could come back at any point and he will come back at some point. And I, but I, I often think like, hey, it won't be now. It but we don't now. know the day. Well, that we don't know the day, do we? Mm. But it does say, uh, and this is Matthew 28. This is the last uh, paragraph of Matthew 28. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples. So actually, I'll just go slightly ahead. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. So they're still doubting at this point. (laughs) Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Which is a really good argument for the Trinity, by the way. (laughs) Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. And this is the thing I want... To, to really labour the point on. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. 
Always there. So the Holy Spirit continues on to do a lot of Jesus's commissioning. But Jesus is still with us. Mm. And that's, I think that's possibly where the faith bit comes. Because yeah. it's because you can believe in all the evidence. But actually at some point you just have to believe that Jesus is with you. Mm. And sometimes I've certainly had moments in my life through prayer and through... Um, I, I, I tend to find in the quiet moments that things have happened to me through prayer in, in the quiet moments that I could just explain away as a massive coincidence mm. or just something really good that went my way. Or I could just acknowledge that it was Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that one in a billion chance of something happening believes seems more likely than, than Jesus. Mm. But I believe it's Jesus. Yeah. And I know it's not belief. It's, it's I know that yeah. that was Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's where the faith bit comes into mm. it, possibly. That's where you sort of put your scientific and evidence brain to one side and just acknowledge the fact that it happened because it was meant to, you know, or it happened because it need, you know, Jesus wanted it to happen for you, needed it to happen for you for whatever reason. As you say, it's just that faith in... Oh, that wasn't luck. You know, that didn't happen by luck. I'm not. I'm not necessarily a lucky person. It's mm. it's spiritual guidance. Absolutely. So, I think we're probably touching on this, but why? And I think we can only really speak for ourselves mm. in this question. So, if you're comfortable sharing, why does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? Why yeah. does it matter, Russell? Why does it matter for you that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, I think for me. A, a big part of it is it's just the proof of the the defiance of death and sin. So you look at Jesus' life and he lived the perfect life and then died for our sins because that you know because he he needed to die for our sins and it was all you could almost say that why did he need to be resurrected after that? Why couldn't he have just died for our sins and then that have been enough? Mm. But I think that the resurrection of of Jesus just proves the defiance of death and our our own resurrection once we've died mm. you know our, our yeah. resurrection into the kingdom of heaven you know or where, whatever it is we are resurrected into after this that's right I think that what uh, what happened and Jesus being bodily resurrected from the dead means that we can have hope for our own resurrection mm. um once we die and then we can go and be with God and I think if that hasn't have happened, how could we be sure mm. that that's going to happen for us? Definitely. I think there's there's two sides to this. From from where I sit, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, all that he said whilst he was alive, that he was God, that there would be the Holy Spirit going on after him, all of that would have been a lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all of the times he said, you know, I, I will rise, again, I will rise again. If he didn't, the entire the the entire trust in Jesus and the and the faith in Jesus would yeah, it just wouldn't it wouldn't exist. <laughs> he'd be yeah. another dead guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and worse than that, he'd be another dead guy that was pretty much like a narcissist for his whole life. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the whole life he's been like, I'm the son of God yeah. and then he dies like the rest of us. He'd be a madman. Yeah. You could just imagine like, you know, hundreds of people outside the tomb just with their <laughs> pocket watch just like where is he is he coming back and then, yeah. and then it being like yeah oh, never mind then <laughs> sort of pack away the party streamers it's almost that all 
this his whole life and all this the whole faith you know in Christianity and all that and everything that has happened before that you know creation and all leading up to this very very important significant moment and then if it just didn't happen if it just didn't happen you know it's all irrelevant at that point what I find great in that bit that we just read from Matthew 28 was that they still doubted so it's kind of like he's risen from the dead he's done this amazing thing and they're all like yes everything that I believed in this guy is true let's go out and spread the good news and they're like I'm just not sure you know <laughs> it just it, it seems unlikely doesn't it even then for like, so for yeah. us we're saying it just seems unlikely yeah. and then even for them when they were there at they the time and they saw him and they, and they touched him and they heard him and they saw him and they go I'm not sure <laughs> they're almost like Oh, damn, I didn't think he was actually going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of like, now we've got to go and share this news. Yeah, it's Well, like, that's the point, isn't it? Mm. That's the thing. It's like when you go on that massive run when you're playing football or frisbee or whatever, I don't know, and <laughs> you get to the goal mouth and you hit the perfect shot and it goes in and you're kind of like, that ended better than I expected. <laughs> I was just happy to get into the box. Yeah. You know? And then he scores... Playing. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And then he scores that goal. So, yeah, I... I think if it, if it hadn't have happened, then it would have all been a lie. And more importantly, Christianity from from then to now would all be a massive lie. Mm. There would be some really beautiful buildings built on a lie. Yeah. There would be a lot of people living ongoing delusions. Yeah. But I know that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, hopefully, we've answered some questions here. So the... The overriding question was, did Jesus rise from the dead? So I think we've comfortably proven that Jesus was dead. I'd just like to make a recommendation there. Um, If anybody still has any doubts or any questions, um, then I'd really recommend a book written by Lee Strobel. It's called The Case for Christ. Um, And Lee Strobel was basically an atheist that set out to disprove Jesus uh, Christianity Christianity in general. He Mm -hmm. set out to disprove everything that's been written. and he couldn't do it, and he became oh, really? a Christian. Yeah, he was a. I think he was a lawyer. Journalist. A, a journalist. He's a newspaper a, a, a journalist. A newspaper journalist. So he's a person that is there to look for the evidence and that sort of thing. Um, and he set out to do it, and he couldn't do it. And he does. I think it's twelve or thirteen interviews with atheists, different Christian ministers, blah blah blah, lots of different people, and it's those. These chapters are so brilliantly written by him, hmm. um, looking at different aspects. So I'd really recommend that book. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And there's an- another one, slightly different topic to this, but he's written another one called A Case for Creation. Yeah, I think he's written quite a few. At, sort of which a he wrote after. Old, he it's a lot more Christian. Old Testament, but it's, yeah. it's a case for you know, the foundation of the universe. Yeah. So. yeah, Case for Christ, Lee Strobel. So it's just so as listeners you are aware, it's no coincidence that we're talking about this subject on, well, this is being released on Good Friday. Good Friday. Friday. That's no coincidence. We had a whole nother podcast (laughs) planned and we thought about it and we were like, yeah, we were going to talk about vegetables. That's, that's a topic for next time. And then we were like, this is going out on Good Friday. We've got to take this opportunity to talk about the the East, the real Easter story. Um, so yeah did Jesus rise from the dead I think we've proven that Jesus was definitely dead I think we've proven that he definitely rose himself yep. and I think we've proven both through the Bible and anecdotally that he's still alive today mm-hmm. so this Easter I want you as a listener to ask yourself the question if you haven't already why does it matter to you and what is it that you believe and I think on that we can finish yeah yeah
and maybe go along to your local church on Easter Sunday. They might give you some more info. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you've got any questions, ask the, the leaders of you know, your local church, and they'd be more than happy to, to answer. <laughs> You'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to turn you away. But, yeah. Certainly not. Happy Easter, everybody. Woohoo!